Hello, I'm Angel Perez, and this is the Anchor Exchange. But also, I'm really optimistic about the profession. I, I meet young people in the profession every single day, and I am just so inspired by them, and they have ideas that I could never have thought of. Um, and so part of what I think about is how do we amplify those voices? Welcome back for a special feature of the Anchor Exchange, live at the 57th Annual PCACAC Conference in Harrisonburg, Virginia. I am Carla Goodwin, Assistant Director of Admissions at George Mason University, and I'm joined by... Kristen Carter, University Counselor at Rochambeau, the French International School in Bethesda, Maryland. All right, and we are very privileged to have a special guest with us today, this year's keynote speaker, Angel Perez, who is also the CEO of NACAC. And we're going to get right into the questions. Welcome to the Anchor Exchange. Thanks for having me. Okay. So starting off with our first question. Now that the report towards a more equitable future for post-secondary access has been released, what comes next? It's a great question. So we are actually seeing this as the identification of what some of the challenges are and then trying to bite off every single recommendation in the report. So a big piece of it is thinking about how we can help support admission offices, counseling offices around DEI efforts, but also how we might even help diversify the next generation of the profession. So some of it we wanna do by working in collaboration with our members, and actually some of it we wanna go back to other foundations. We were very fortunate that the Lumina Foundation funded this uh, project, but we now wanna go and find other support so we can bring the other pieces of the report to life. And what can NACAC do to advance the recommendations that were laid out in the, in the report? Yeah, I think a big piece of what we're trying to do first and foremost is bringing an awareness. The other piece is that we're actually trying to speak individually to different stakeholders. So actually, besides people who are doing the jobs that the both of you do at high schools and colleges, I've also been working um, in collaboration with university presidents and boards and speaking to civil rights attorneys and politicians around how they might actually be able to operationalize some of these recommendations. Perfect example, I was actually invited as a result of the report um, to speak to the Pennsylvania State Board of Education, and they wanted ideas of how they could actually create more access and actually more funding in their state. And so we use the report as infrastructure. So lots of different areas from working with people who are our members who are doing the work directly with students to politicians and other stakeholders. Yeah, fantastic. Great. And really thinking from your keynote speech, you talked a lot about that data and how things have changed. So. Mm -hmm. Something that really stands out is the stress levels and mental health concerns of students and counselors have both been on the rise, and COVID has seemed to definitely exacerbated those issues. What can those in our profession do to mitigate the stress on students caused by the application process? I love this question because I'm really passionate about it. Um, the first thing I would say is simplification, simplification, simplification. I think this process is extraordinarily complex. I think we've made some headways. The FAFSA is going to be um, a little bit more simple starting next year, but I think every institution needs to think about what are the barriers that we unintentionally put in front of students. Um, and, you know, I spent 22 years in higher education as a VP of enrollment. I was part of the problem as well, right? And so I think 
even when you're on the high school side, thinking about what are ways that I might simplify this for our students, but also I think higher education has a big role to play. Um, and I would say start with the question, what do we really need to know? What do we really need from students in order to make good decisions about whether or not they would succeed at my institution? So I would say start there, simplification. Um, but I would also say communication and just helping students understand what the process is and some of the ways that actually they could actually engage this process and actually be less stressed. I do believe it is possible. Um, and some of that is also encouraging students to pay less attention to the noise around them, like the media and the parents who are all talking about what they heard down the street, um, <laughs> that I think we can all play a role, those of us who are in the profession and helping students sort of bring that noise down a level. Excellent. And then on the flip side, how can we help our um, members of our profession in the college admissions not burn out from stress? Yeah, I'll be honest, I certainly don't have all the answers, but that has been top of mind for me um, these days. I think, you know, I'm worried about people leaving the profession. I talked about this a little bit in, in my keynote. Um, and I'm, I'm worried about making sure that we keep good people because this work is more important than ever. Um, I do think a lot of it has to do with how we inspire, motivate, prepare um, the people that are doing this work. But I also think it's about how we do all of that that I just mentioned for the next generation of people that are coming up into the pipeline. Um, just the same way that I talked about simplification for students, I think we need to also do that for the professionals um, in a lot of different ways. I hope that if anything has come out of COVID is that we've asked ourselves, you know, do we have to do it the same way? Can we be a little bit more flexible? I mean, to a certain extent, you know, I think college admissions and high school counseling, it's been the same for a really long time. And the way that we do our jobs has been the same for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I actually think some of it doesn't have to be as stressful and also so labor intensive and hour intensive. And so part of what I hope at least we have begun to do is a little bit more flexibility with um, people who are doing this work and for managers to really think deeply about we we ask for a lot of time from our professionals. How could we help give them back some of that time? How could we be a little bit more flexible? Um, because I think that's one of the only ways we're gonna be able to keep people, um, but also help them not burn out. Yeah, and although burnout is certainly very real, I know mm -hmm. we all have a lot of passions within the field. And with that, I have a next question. What about the college admissions process keeps you up at night? Wow, um, there's a lot that keeps me up at night. Um, and you're asking just about the process or the professionals? <laughs> you can do a little, <laughs> a little both. bit of both, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, I think a lot about affordability um, for mm -hmm. students. I am very concerned about affordability and the fact that there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. It's wonderful that things are happening like a potential increase in the Pell Grant. Um, that's still not going to be enough when colleges are costing 50, 60, 70, $80,000 a year, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's a huge gap. Um, and so that one probably keeps me up at night the most after simplification, I would say, um, as well. Um, but in terms of the professionals, it's exactly what we just talked about. It's burnout. It's mm -hmm. um, a lack of willingness to stay in the profession. And also, I'm, I'm also worried about not just the next generation, but the people that are deans, directors and vice presidents who report to presidents, the pressure in that role mm -hmm. is unlike anything 
um, I have ever seen in my time. And so I also worry about how are we supporting those individuals so that they stay in the role, that they support their institutions well, they help educate those presidents and boards. And I do see that as, as part of my role. Just in the past few weeks, I've actually been to some of our member campuses to speak to boards of trustees um, and reminding them about what admission offices can do and what miracles they can't pull off, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I, I also see NACAC's role is, is trying to support our members that way as well. So let's flip to the positive side. Um, what are you optimistic about for the future of college admissions? Oh my gosh, I'm so optimistic, or I would not, one, get out of bed, or two, do this job every single day. <laughs> um, and part of that is because I feel like there is so much more appetite for change now, and I think we are between COVID, racial reckoning in this country, financial crisis, mental health, that all that intersection um, and, and collision, if you will, really has led us to a moment that I don't think we want to go backwards. And so I think we will see um, many more changes coming down the pike. I think also one of the areas I'm most optimistic about is actually diversity in the profession, but also more inclusion. You know, I can't imagine any institution in the country that is not talking about becoming more diverse, becoming more equitable and inclusive. I'm not sure that I could have said that just three years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that in itself will have a huge impact on helping more students um, get into college, but also I'm really optimistic about the profession. I, I meet young people in the profession every single day, and I am just so inspired by them, and they have ideas that I could never have thought of. Um, and so part of what I think about is how do we amplify those voices? Funny enough, I'm doing a podcast with you, but next week I'm recording a podcast with several next-gen professionals to lift their voices up. They were the rising star winners for the NACAC Award this year. Um, just to learn from them like so what do you all need in mm -hmm. order for you to stay in in the work but in order for us to support you so those are some of the things i'm really optimistic about but i think there's some exciting changes that lie ahead yeah and certainly i'm happy to share the name of their podcast in our description uh, so for our last and final question how can affiliate members get involved at the national level with NACAC if they have that desire yeah, I really hope you do if you are listening to this podcast. Um, I would certainly start by uh, volunteering to join a committee. We have ad hoc committees um, and those are topic based, right? We had one on public school counselors this year, one that focused on the next generation of professionals, one that focused on the relationship between NACAC and the affiliates. So depending on the topics that you're interested in, you should definitely throw your name um, in the hat there. Um, but I would also say, you know, if you've been involved with your affiliate for a while, maybe you run for the NACAC board, maybe you run for leadership positions um, in NACAC, because what we're trying to do, some of our, our standing committees, we actually um, expanded those committees because we wanted more people to actually get involved. Um, but, and if you're not a member, let's start with becoming a member of NACAC so that you actually have the voting rights and all of the, the power um, to get involved and use your voice in the association as well. Excellent. All right. Great. Well, thank you for joining us thank on you. another special feature of the Anchor Exchange. Stay tuned as we will be interviewing several members of the CACAC throughout the 57th Annual Conference. Till next time. Bye. Thank you to the rest of the podcast team. Our two co-producers, Kristen Carter, University Counselor at Rochambeau, the French International School in Bethesda, Maryland, and Carla Goodwin, 
Assistant Director of Admission at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. This show cannot be done without their dedication and collaboration. The mission of Potomac and Chesapeake is to support and advance college admission professionals. As a nonprofit organization, this is made possible by the support of our membership. If you value the work of PCACAC and you shop on Amazon.com, I'll ask that you consider setting up your Amazon Smile with Potomac and Chesapeake as the primary charity. By doing so, a small percentage of your Amazon purchase costs will be directed to the organization. It may just be a few clicks for you, but every little bit adds up and makes it possible for Potomac and Chesapeake to continue and expand the work of college access and admission across our region. Thank you so much. (music) 